Welcome to season two of the Melrose Place cast. I'm Mary, and I'm here to convince my friend Teach that Melrose Place is a trashy, trashy soap opera, and that's perfectly okay. Uh, I'm Teach. I'm here to convince my good friend Mary that this show counts as high art for the generations, a time capsule into the future, and the future is now. The future is indeed now. And you know what's great is this is not a recap podcast because we're too busy having all these intellectual debates. Yes, we highly recommend that you pair us with your rewatch of Melrose Place. It will um, enhance the artistic integrity of the show. Mm, I guess that's one way to put it. You know, I can't believe we've made it to season two already. How far along are we in the grand scheme of things? Uh, we're about uh, 11%. That seems lower than I would like. Well, there's the seven seasons, plus the reboot season. Oh, God. Uh, this season had the lowest number of episodes. I guess that's forward to. And we only had five special episodes in season one, so season two is going to get longer. Oh, boy. Buckle up. Hello! And welcome to season two, episode eighteen of the Marrow's Place Cast. Oh, I did that wrong. I'm sorry. I'll start over. No, that was right. What? Was it? No, I think I usually split that into two sentences. Okay, I'll start over. I'm sorry. I got distracted by the cookie. It was so delicious. Hello, and welcome to the Melrose Place Cast. Today we're talking about season two, episode eighteen, called "Arousing Suspicions." I'm Mary. And I am Tej. What did you think of this one? You know, it, it is clear that they had kind of wrapped up all the plots and are moving in a new direction. Yeah. Um, which, you know, they do in artistic endeavors from time to time. Yeah, yeah. The highest of art. Also soap operas. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was good. It was setting the groundwork for some pretty heavy stuff that we're going to be dealing with. It is. We're getting closer to that harpoon. Ooh, shot through the heart. <laughs> Mary, I, you're not going to believe what happened to me while I was watching this episode. What? It came to me. Three arguments, three examples of why this is high art for the generations, all of which can be conceptualized in just one specific quote from the show. This is a shocking turn of events. Shocked. Listen, let me, can I tell you my quotes? Yeah, of course. First one. Oh, I'm fine. You're screwed. <laughs> Next. Okay, lady sailor. Want to go for a ride? Oh, God, lady sailor. Oh. And then my favorite. I will save this one for the end so you can concede defeat. What oh. about the don't ask, don't tell policy? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think I win this week, Mary. <laughs> so topical and current <laughs> well it was it was that's fair that's yeah. fair <laughs> so let me start with um well let's go with the easy one reed <laughs> shot through the heart reed what is reed's last name crowley smoker let's call him smoker another <laughs> reed's reed smoker uh i hope he's got life insurance <laughs> I don't know if he's insurable. But <laughs> here's here's what had happened. First, 
we open, I don't know if this was the opening scene. No, it wasn't. Michael and Jane were, whatever. It doesn't matter. Reed is in Joe's apartment. He slept the night or he's been there for a while. Who knows? Who cares? It doesn't matter. They're, they're quickly putting them together and making it so that their relationship is much further along than time would actually carry forth. Yeah. Since they, you know, went to their high school reunion in San Francisco in January. <laughs> That's a good point, too. Yeah. Um, so Amanda knocks on Joe's door and says, oh, I'm just here with your lease renewal, unless you're planning on leaving. <laughs> <laughs> Joe assures her that she's not. And Amanda says, great, here's the lease. We'd love to have you. Of course, I added in a standard rent increase. You understand. <laughs> Amanda left, uh, bad landlord, and um, Joe shuts the door and says to Reed, why does that woman need 30 extra dollars from me every month? Yeah. Okay. And in this conversation, Joe says, it kind of insinuates or says outright that Amanda is rich and she doesn't need these 30 bucks. Yeah. Okay. Reed's, you see his ears perk up and he said, (laughs) Amanda's rich. And he engineers a situation where he bumps into Amanda and he's like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry I bumped into you. I was just trying to think of how to approach an investor, you know, that I'm about to meet with about a 20% return on something or blah, 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 blah. (laughs) So um, Amanda catches on, realizes what he's doing and agrees to take a meeting and and hear what he thinks. Reed, uh, shot through the heart, reveals that he is chartering this boat and is going to rent it out for weddings, events, tours, etc. And he just he just needs some early investors. So Amanda goes to meet him on the boat and is asking all these questions about the engine fatigue and cups of water per unit or blah, blah. I don't know, whatever. (laughs) And Reed uh, is answering and then kind of calls out that it's clear you know a lot about this. And she reveals that she's been sailing for a long time and, and she's kind of a natural at it. And so he says to her, okay, lady sailor, want to go for a ride? <laughs> and this is, this is what I think. This is what jumped out to me. And that has nothing to do with the plot. She's just a sailor. Why do we call her lady sailor? <laughs> what? Wait, how? What? i didn't understand that but i think it was true at the time right they wouldn't call if amanda was a ceo they wouldn't call her a ceo they'd call her a woman ceo yeah they probably would have yeah and they made it or like a male nurse if we want to flip it the other way right yeah or a male kindergarten teacher you know it's calling out the the gender norms that existed when someone breaks type you have to it's important to point out that they genitally do not match your expectations no they do not so Lady Sailor, which is dismissive, sexist, rude, and unnecessary. Agreed. Why did he say that? I don't know. Reed was real weird in that scene, too. Like, when he got up all close to her, and mm-hmm. he was like, scary, or do I make you afraid? And she was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Amanda. So I don't know. I didn't know if that was part of, like, he was trying to make some power play on her or what. It clearly didn't work, <laughs> but... It was weird. It was awkward. Yeah, he he's not the... They're clearly playing him to be like, hey, be worried about him. Something's up here. Um, which yeah. is fine. It's true. Something is up here. They should be worried about him, right? He's gonna... He's, he's, he's gonna have a story arc. Yeah, there's gonna be a start, a middle, and an end to Reed's story arc. To Reed's heart. <laughs> and it, it's it? not about Joe. Maybe we should just call him Reed Bon Jovi. 
<laughs> That's so, a good one, you yeah, know? Yeah. Then we'll remember who we're talking about. Yes. Um, so Reed Jovi um, is sexist, is the storyline here, or is the point that I'm trying to make. But he's doing it in a way that in the 90s would not have been clocked as sexist. People wouldn't have said it was sexist because he wasn't saying she couldn't be a sailor. Just that she's a special kind, you know, because of the, you know, you know the ladiness. The lady bits. Um, I, I didn't say bits. I said ladiness. I did. Uh, okay, but just to be clear, uh, don't <laughs> at me. And if you do, if you do want to at me again, you can find me on Instagram at xtofer. I'm kidding. That's our friend Christopher. <laughs> <laughs> I won't actually do that to you, Christopher. No, that that's that's good. Um, I another little tag to this scene that I, made me confused. So just as he and his lady sailor are about to take the boat out. Joe comes, lady sailor. Joe comes trotting down the dock looking for Reed and he starts the engine so he doesn't hear her yelling his name but somehow Joe can hear him yelling at Amanda on the boat to come up and ride by him by the steering wheel and I was like sound has weird properties at this marina apparently <laughs> like can, some people can hear things and other people can't and you know I'm thinking about this lady sailor thing weren't maybe this was the 80s because I, I was little but I remember there being like deodorants for women that were called like Oof. lady speed stick and like yeah, yeah. lady menon or something like it was like the quote unquote male product name, but they just put lady in the front. That was a weird thing. Maybe just strong enough for a man, but made for a woman. Yeah, because women are weak. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Again, don't <laughs> at me. I am not co-signing that. I am not saying that. I do not believe that. I am a well-established feminist well, and, and a non-arsonist. And, and Well, as am I. <laughs> oh, which one? Oh, you are a feminist. I give you that. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, I, w- do I think you're making the strongest argument in the world? No, but I don't disagree with it. <laughs> Okay, so so I get the half. I get half credit. Yeah, I think you're, it's like a solid like B minus. Like, all right, that's fine. You passes. Speaking of lackluster uh, debate skills, do you want to go next? <laughs> I would love to. I'm actually going lady to- debater. Lady debater. Uh, yes, I'm actually going to kind of continue on this little thread. I called this one. Someone needs to tell Joe that she doesn't need to call at every vest she finds on the clearance rack. <laughs> uh, so the, the things that have happened we've already discussed with the, the joe and reed is moving out to live on the boat and amanda gives her a rent increase and a lease to sign and then they joe is put out because she saw reed and amanda take off on the boat the next morning we pick up again amanda is coming down her stairs to fetch her newspaper and joe approaches her perfectly dry newspaper so she doesn't have to steal from someone yes that, that was a nice touch and joe comes walking up and she's wearing vest. Uh, vest! Vest! <laughs> was this the vest, Mary? This is vest. This is 100% vest. Did you call Gail? No, I forgot to. We told we told Gail we would call her when this vest came okay. up. Well, we'll we'll get we'll get back to her. We'll we'll, we'll Okay. Maybe when she's guesting in a in an upcoming episode, we'll come back to vest. Um so I need to talk about this vest. Uh, cuz it is <laughs> It's delightful. We have we have seen and will continue to see many a vest on Melrose Place. There are many, yes. um, but this is the one that sits closest to my heart uh, because it is by far the most ridiculous and ugly vest. It is glorious. Uh, the first time we watched this show through a few years ago, 
I remember we were in a room and there were a few of us and like everyone was looking down at their phone except me looking at the TV. And when Joe locked out, I just started saying, <laughs> Vest, Vest, Vest. <laughs> you, you almost knocked the plate of pizza rolls onto the floor. Oh my God. And that would have been the real crime in all of this. <laughs> anyway, so to describe Vest briefly, I know we are not a recap podcast, but I feel like Vest deserves it. Vest is a Vest. <laughs> Vest. Uh, Vest is primarily like royal blue. It's got yes. A background, and it has little black and white drawings of Polaroid snapshots of people. So just get your head around that. And it is like something that I sewed in seventh grade home at class in both its color palette and very amateurish to me, except I called jams because it was the 90s. Jams were long shorts. And mine were made out of fabric with killer whales on it. Wait a minute, wait. A, I'm sorry if I could just interrupt. Are you actually yes. describing something you 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 sewed, or were you just was that yes. metaphorical? No, I sewed that in seventh grade home ec class. We made jams; they were called. Oh jams. my goodness! They were long shorts. I lost half a point on a grade because I didn't add pockets to my jams. But I didn't. <laughs> anyway, but they were jams for ladies. Yeah, ladies don't need pockets. It was the no. Best. Again, let the record show I was being sarcastic. <laughs> There's a long record on this episode. People are going to have to take a lot. Uh, anyway, vest is worn over a black turtleneck. And it is it is everything you're imagining it could be. Uh, I have the same reaction to vest every time I see it because it startles me. <laughs> Back to the plot of the show. Amanda, Joe hands this new apartment lease over to Amanda with one condition. She says, you stay the hell out of my life. <laughs> Amanda is literally in her bathroom newspaper and she's a little exasperated by this. And she's like, you know, I thought we had a truce on this whole Jake thing. And Joe's like, it's not about Jake. It's about Reed. And then she says, Amanda, you have this habit of going after other women's boyfriends. You have plenty of attributes to lure them into your lair. You don't need to claw at every unmarried man you meet. Oh, that's the clawing at the vest reference. Yes. And Amanda barks back. I have never clawed after anyone. And Reed approached me. And Joe's like, his interest in you is purely financial for his boat thing. And Amanda's like, well, then you don't have Joe any- can't say that. Joe can't say that. I mean, she did. I know, but she can't be sure of that. That's, That's just her hope. That's true. That's true. Uh, and so Joe hands her the lease and stomps off. And then Jake comes down and he asks what's going on. And Amanda's like, Joe's being paranoid again. And says, you know, I had a business meeting with Reed on his boat. And Jake's like, what the hell? Are you crazy? <laughs> you don't even know him. And she's like, I don't want to know anything about him. He gave her the creeps. And then she's like, let's go have breakfast. And so that's the end of that. Um, the vest alone qualifies the storyline as a soap opera. <laughs> it's just amazing. And it's so dramatic. And then you add on top this ongoing Joe and Amanda drama. And then Reed being a super creeper on the boat. And of course, now Jake has to get involved and intervene and think he's a knight in shining armor and he's going to save all these women from whatever. And it's just soapy soap soap with a vest. By the way, Reed um, has installed locks in an underground storage compartment in the boat. (laughs) They're being real subtle. There's a lot of red flags and they're letting us see all of them on the show. So things to know that Reed um, is a bad dude. Uh, one, everything about him so far. Two, he is shown installing locks so you can lock someone inside a compartment under the boat. Okay. Yeah. And then he hears a noise at night and he brings out this huge gun. I think the harpoon gun. Was that the harpoon gun? I thought it was like a rifle, but I don't know my guns. So you might be right. Either way. Whoa, don't insinuate that I do. 
You're really assuming that I've been insinuating a lot of things. I'm really <laughs> anyway. Uh, so those things are are all there. But here's what I think is so interesting about the storyline that's coming is Reed is going to be he's going to have a problem with Joe that ironically could be solved if just he too would excessively wear vests. <laughs> just a special kind of vest. Look, she's going to shoot him in the chest. I mean, spoiler, <laughs> we haven't already mentioned that like six times. Do you know, Mary, what's going to be so interesting is when we're doing this for season four, which you, even season three, half of season three, which then you will not know what's coming anymore. No, it will be a surprise. Yeah. But but yeah. I still will, right? But yeah. then after that, after we get to season five, neither one of us will have a single clue what's happening because we both had moved on by that point in the 90s. Wait, you never watched to the end of this? No. I'm shocked. I thought you had watched all of this multiple times. No. Wow. This this is a record scratch moment. <laughs> do, you, do you know what else is a record scratch moment? What? The look on Sydney's face when she showed that there is no level of self-interest that will overcome the human need for revenge. Mm. Mm-hmm. There, do you see? Do you see how even in the setup, I'm making the human condition point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But here's what happened in the storyline. So Sydney's trying to get back with Michael, and she thought that by kind of doing Michael's bidding and kind of setting up Robert with a prostitute in San Diego, that that might be her way in. And sadly for her, it didn't work. Mm-hmm. So she tries to threaten him and says, if you don't let me into your life, Michael, I am going to tell Jane everything. And Michael doesn't believe her because he says, you tell Jane about me, I'll tell Jane about you. And this is a real threat to Michael because he's actually making progress with Jane. He tells Jane he has a second chance at life and he's going to do it right this time. <laughs> and he, he pledges to win back Jane's trust and earn her forgiveness. And she says, I already am forgiving you a little bit at a time. Mm. Sydney realizes she's hitting a roadblock with Michael. He's not going to let her in. Nope. Nope. So she goes to Jane, who's a little icy to her, and she spills everything. She's crying on her couch. She admits to the prostitution. She admits to, to going along with Michael's plan to set Robert up. Yep. To sending the tape. Everything. And I, you know, Mary, I don't think Sydney lied about anything. I don't even think she embellished. She really didn't in that scene. Yeah, that's no. that's fair. That's fair. She opened her heart, and Jane and Sydney are back together. Jane hugs her and says, "I'm sorry, I forgot you were my sister." Um, and Sydney is walking up to her apartment when Michael comes in, seeing Sydney leave Jane's apartment, and is a little worried and says, uh, "Everything all right?" And Sydney smiles this smirk and says, <laughs> "I'm fine. You're screwed." And up <laughs> she goes. And Michael is coming into Jane's apartment and Jane has already thrown his stuff out there. And Michael tries to defend himself and Jane is not having it and somehow throws his cane into the pool. (laughs) Yeah, she does. (laughs) But so just to wrap this storyline up, Michael ends up back at the beach house and he sees photos of Kimberly and it makes him sad. Um, And Sydney came over to watch Parent Trap with Jane. Yeah. And she said they last saw it together when they both had mumps for the weekend. And, uh, you know, I was ready to make an anti-vaxxer argument. But instead, I'm just sticking with that smug look of 
I know I just ruined everything I was building up. I had to rip my soul open, but man, did I get points on Michael. <laughs> I would like to point out that when Sydney comes over to watch the parent trap, Jane was literally sitting on her floor coloring with Crayola markers on her coffee table. She was the- designing. Do design, listen, I don't know. I'm not a designer. Would a designer have been using Crayola markers to color their pictures in, in the 90s? To color their designs in? <laughs> and I don't know. Doesn't it seem like they would be using, like, colored pencils or something? like From Crayola. Well, maybe, okay, but they were, mar- these were, like, washable markers that my little brother had, like, in the 90s. <laughs> Listen, I don't know what to tell you, Mary. I just know she's a designer, and you can't edit the creative process. You can't get in the way. Yeah, but, like, Crayola markers, like, you only get 10 colors in the box. Like, what? Well, it was the 90s. What colors do you need other than black and white? <laughs> Maybe red. I guess you're right. Maybe red, yeah. I th- you know what I would bet? I would bet when you get to the marker stage, your design is much more final. <laughs> I just enjoy watching you do figurative uh, back bends to try to make you... <laughs> <laughs> the other thing, and now we saw Sydney as a master manipulator coming in because while Sydney is over there to watch Parent Trap um, and to talk about how bad vaccines are with Jane, um, <laughs> Michael calls and he's clearly uh, over-medicated and, and sounding drunk. Um, and says, Jane, I can't get through this. I need, I need someone. And Jane said, well, make it someone else. And Sydney is listening on the phone in Jane's apartment. And she smiles because this was her plan to be the someone when Michael has no one else and her plan, she thinks might work. And Mary, do you think it will work? I mean, it probably will. Cause it's a soap opera. Oh, come on, Mary. <laughs> that was beneath you. I don't know that it was. Well, yeah, I mean, from what I remember, it does kind of work, doesn't it? Because never mind. Spoilers. Yeah, we, we we don't do spoilers on this show. No, we would never. We would never. Never. <laughs> never, ever. That is not our way. Anyway, that was my, my argument that the, the need for revenge and retribution overpowers even self-interest, even self-interest. It was not in Sydney's best interest for Jane to know this about her other than... Um, well, maybe her evil plan. So that I might be wrong about that. Um, but <laughs> even if it didn't work, even if it doesn't work, Sydney's going to be happy she did this because she got Michael back. Yeah, she did. She did. And I mean, frankly, he deserved it. I mean, I, I don't know if I agree it, with that. He's just trying. He's just trying to make up to his lady. <laughs> his lady sailor. Fairness, <gasps> equality, Ooh. equity. Oh, these are all words not conjured up by this week's sponsor, the reelect Bill Clinton for president in 1996 campaign. <laughs> Mary, do you know what words are conjured up by this week's sponsor, the reelect Bill Clinton for 1996 for president campaign? No, I don't. Don't ask. Don't tell. Oh, boy. It's true. Nothing says political bravery and leadership like taking a stand that says it's okay to be you, to fight and die for your country, and to fall in love. But just don't tell anyone about it, you grosso. Quite like, don't ask, don't tell. (laughs) 
Oh, God. It is the triumph, the pure victory of centrism and triangulation and a firm commitment to the values of whatever is polling well this week. (laughs) It's the core belief, Mary, that I am severely whatever you want me to be. (laughs) Oh, Re-elect Bill Clinton for president in 1996, and the dream will continue. The dream, of course, of cutting everything right down the middle. You won't believe what happens next. (laughs) Hint, hint, hint. It's a Federal Defense of Marriage Act. You know, hindsight is twenty twenty. We got it right in twenty twenty. <laughs> That's right. Finally, uh, oh boy. Um, well, I really, I'm so excited to see how this campaign turns out. <laughs> uh, uh, are there any other things um, the, the president would like us to not talk about? <laughs> yeah, listen, don't ask, don't tell. It's not just about being gay, Mary. Oh, okay. Tell me more. There's so many things you would not like to hear about. For example, uh, maybe you are genuinely a firm supporter of human rights across the world. I like to think so. Don't talk about it if it's politically inconvenient. <laughs> okay, I guess. I guess I can do that. Is there mm-hmm. anything you can talk about? Did you say anything you can talk about? I guess either way, really. What can yeah. I talk about? Uh, well, what you can talk about is only what appeals to nobody at all, as long as it doesn't disappeal to anybody. Other things you can't talk about, um, you know, correcting a broken foster care system throughout the country. We don't, that's inconvenient and that doesn't work in the suburbs. No, we don't have time for that right now. Health care for everybody? Nah, we, we did that, didn't go well, we're over it. People got mad, so let's not talk about it anymore. Yes, but what you know what you can talk about is school uniforms. Well, you know, that might be quite the boon for vest. Like, Do you know they actually polled Americans to find out which pet they should get? Really? That's true. That's how they ended up with one cat and one dog. Did they need to do a poll to figure that out? I feel like I could have just Googled that, even though Google, I don't think, existed. Listen, Dick Morris put it all out there. He was their secret poller, pollster for the 1996 campaign. What? They genuinely, they genuinely focus grouped where they should go on vacation. Oh my god! Yeah, where did they go. They did not go to places of fairness or equality or equity for all. Instead, <laughs> where, where did they go? Where did they go? They're not going to tell you, and you shouldn't ask. <laughs> I like this concept of "don't ask, don't tell." I feel like I could. Oh, use I'm sorry. What, Mary? I love it. I think, I mean, there's all kinds of things I don't want to talk about. So I'm like, well, I won't say anything if you don't say anything, right? That seems to work. Do you think Don't Ask, Don't Tell as a political solution to the gays in the military issue of the early 90s could have flown in the era of social media? No, right? No. 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 There's way too... No. (laughs) No. (laughs) No, it's crazy that that ever happened. And I remember being relatively young and even being like this doesn't make any sense (laughs) 
policy is very confusing. <laughs> it just created an environment where people were like, okay, how is this better? How is this better than what it was? Because it was still, shut your mouth, don't say anything. Yeah, because you'd still face the re- repercussions for if, if people knew things that had yeah. nothing to do with your job performance. That had nothing, nothing to do with your job performance. No, and it's 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 very sad that it took as long as it did for that to not be... I mean, not that it's not still a problem. I don't mean to minimize that, but like that this specific policy ever existed in the first place is... You know, it's not, it's not fun. Do you know, I went to a gay conference once. Uh, this was when I was in college and I was just becoming politically aware. It was after. And there was, it was, a, I went to a political session because I was politically interested, but not informed yet. And there was someone from the human rights campaign. Yeah. And they were being grilled by a, a much older person about why should we be supporting the Democrats when all they gave us was Don't Ask, Don't Tell and the Defense of Marriage Act. And mm-hmm. to watch that human rights campaign person like backtrack, you'd be like, okay, okay, but listen, it could have been so much worse. Do you know what Bob Dole would have done? Oh, Bob Dole! Bob Dole. Bob Dole says, Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Down boy. Down boy. Do you remember that? No. Bob Dole ran for president Yeah. after Newt Gingrich said, any Republican who doesn't drool on stage will beat Bill Clinton. <laughs> he lost, and he started doing commercials, um, oh. including one where he watched Britney Spears dancing yeah. and said, down boy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, thanks for bringing that all back. Anyway, this week's episode of the Melrose Place Gals brought to you by the re-elect Bill Clinton for President in 1996 campaign. It's okay to be you. Just don't talk about it, you grosso. Shut your mouth, shut up, and sit down. No, not on him. (laughs) Is there a promo code? (laughs) Yeah, but I can't tell you. (laughs) Oh, I shouldn't have asked. (laughs) Should not have. Now you're fired. You know what's weird? Nobody got fired for asking. Oh. I suppose not. No. This People is, got fired for telling. This has taken a dark turn. <laughs> I was not prepared for. Maybe I should put this ad in the middle, not the end, huh? <laughs> I didn't make a lot of references to best, so I think it's fine. And we are back for the second half of season two, episode 18 of the Melrose Placecast. We are discussing arousing suspicion. Mary, did this sh- did this episode make you feel suspicious? It certainly did. It's very intriguing. As high art should. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> well, Mary, would you like to get us started? Yeah, uh, this is going to be a little awkward because I'm going to talk about a lot of the stuff you just talked about before the break. Uh, I this one. Jane believes her two bit slut of a sister. <laughs> oh, sorry, uh, Mary. Again, don't at me, people. This is not me. No, no. Uh, so I, I'll try not to recap everything, but I'll hit my points. Um, Sydney finds Michael at the hospital and tells him she wants him to come to her court date on Friday. And he just goes, wrong, like Donald Trump. <laughs> it really made me laugh. Uh, <laughs> she reminds him that she took a really big risk setting up the hooker with Robert. And he's like, I posted your bail, so we're even. <laughs> <laughs> Again, like you pointed out, she's like, I'm going to tell Jane everything about the prostitution and setting Robert up. And Michael's like, well, if you do that, then I'll tell the cops that she, quote, graduated from whore to pimp. Uh, 
Which I don't think that was a compelling argument. I don't think the cops would be like, oh, well, this guy says so. So, all right, let's up the charges. <laughs> and Cindy doesn't understand what that means. So he's like, you know, you set up Robert with a prostitute and that's called pandering. And quote, legally, it's illegal. Uh, <laughs> legally, it's illegal. <laughs> that, that her second offense of the month, which would probably hurt her chances in court. Uh, so he starts walking away and she's like, you can't just ignore me, Michael. And he's like, I just did. <laughs> So, like you said, she calls his bluff and goes to Jane's, and she's like, do you really believe Michael's change? And Jane's like, I do, because I've been living with him for a whole month. And Sydney's like, you know, you lived with him for three years before this, and you didn't know what he was up to, which is fair. Uh, and like you said, she finally kind of spills to Jane about what happened, because she's like, you know, Michael doesn't care about anyone but himself, and that he makes people do what he wants. And Jane's counters it right away, like, sleep with your sister's husband, and Sydney says, well, I like sleep with anyone who could pay the price. Do you remember all the money I had? I wasn't a model. She talks about becoming a prostitute. And Jane's like, are you lying to me? And Sydney cries. She's like, do you think I'd lie about being a hooker? And she says she's got a court date. Michael bailed her out. And now he's blackmailing her with it. And that's why she hooked up Robert with the hooker. She's so sorry. She just keeps getting pulled back in by Michael. And Jane goes I know he keeps doing the same to me and they hug and she Sydney stays the night at Jane's and like you said Michael comes hobbling in from he was working a night shift that's why he wasn't home literally whistling a jolly tune to himself (laughs) a jolly tune well life's going pretty well for him things are going great he's working he's got a place to live his ex-wife is falling back in line like here we go and he spots them hugging and he should have, if he were a little bit smarter, stopped and just turned around and like gone to hide. But he keeps going. Like you said, he says hi to Sydney. Actually, he says, how the hell are you? And she turns. And like you said, she goes, I'm fine. You're screwed. Which made me laugh. <laughs> he is out. He's like, is there a problem here? And she goes, no, not anymore. And he's all smiles. He's being all smiley, Michael. He's like, oh, it seems, have we had a misunderstanding? I'm not sure what Sydney told you. And she's like, she told me the truth, Michael. And he said, you're going to believe you're two-bit slut of a sister. When Okay, so when that's your argument, you're underwater. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's already, you're done. Like, it's already over. Yeah. Uh, Jane slaps him in the face and says, yeah, I believe her. And this whole time, he was letting her blame Sydney when she should have been blaming Michael. And he's like, oh, right. And then I dragged her kicking and screaming into the whorehouse. <laughs> this guy. And Jane... <laughs> bad enough you're a cheating immoral pig but you didn't have to bring my sister down with you and he's like i was just trying to protect you from robert and she's like you know what hurts the most michael i thought you had changed this whole time after everything we'd been through i found myself attracted to you again i thought i saw the old michael the michael i fell in love with he goes i have changed but she says no you haven't you're exactly the same he begs her to let him explain, but she grabs his cane and throws it in the pool and slams the door. And he stands there for a beat and he kind of shrugs and makes this like, can you believe this bullshit? <laughs> I laughed so hard. Uh, this is soapy, soapy, soap, 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 soap. You've got these two sisters. and Soapy, soapy, soap, 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 soap. It is so soapy. Uh, the two sisters are making up after being estranged, and now they're united against this new common enemy who's really an old common enemy. And God knows that'll all change again in like two weeks. You have Michael, who's trying to turn on his charm, which he seems that he has a lot of it. He keeps tricking women into being with him. He almost succeeds. You've got the blackmail. You've got flake face slapping. you got canes being thrown in a pool. What more do you want? 
Uh, just a happy ending for Michael Mancini, maybe? Is that too much to ask? Uh, I feel like he gets a lot of happy endings. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> well, it's fine. It's fine. Because he keeps, you know, he keeps... Oh, my God. I don't know what you're insinuating. But... <laughs> oh, that was... <laughs> Uh, I, I think I would just like to move on from what you just said. That's what I think I need to do. I think that's fine. Uh, <laughs> do you know what, Mary? Hmm. I, um, I don't know what you meant by that. But I'm going to do us both a favor. I'm not going to ask and you're not going to tell. Oh, boy. I know where this yep. is. Here we go. Melrose play. Mary, you are not going to be able to argue against what I'm uh, what I'm going to say. I don't I don't think you'll be able to do it. Okay. We'll see. We'll see. Uh Melrose Place is clearly setting up to have hardcore social commentary on modern day political issues in the early 90s. 1994 oh. to be exact. Specifically, we're talking about don't ask don't tell. We're talking about the military gays in the military. We're talking about the Clintons. We are going all in on this. All right. Let's go. That's my argument. Oh. Are you going to make me do the work of it? <laughs> okay. All right. I'll do it. I'll do it. So here's what had happened. Matthew uh, met a new gentleman. It was a little bit of a like, oh, are you sitting at this table? Oh, there's only one table we're going to have to share. Um, so that's how Matt meets. Uh, Jeffrey is his name, right? Yes. Jeffrey. Yes. Yeah. And uh, romance ensues because it's clear Jeffrey kind of makes it clear like, oh, just so you know, I'm, I'm kind of into dudes, right? Because he says something about, I like that in a man, something, whatever it was. Yeah. Matt clocks it in a way that was spot on realistic. That kind of like knowing glance that, okay, I, I heard what you just did there and I'm receiving it. And just so you know, I'm sending the message that I'm, I'm here for it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Matt... <laughs> gives Jeffrey his number and Mary he didn't reciprocate what do you think that's about huh I don't do you know do you remember that Melrose Place doing that once before yes yes with Allison and Keith Keith uh-huh. uh, Allison gave Keith his number and, and Allison said I think to Jane or maybe Billy he didn't reciprocate what do you think that's about <laughs> oh Allison Anyway, so Matt gives Jeffrey his number. Jeffrey does not return with his number and says he's just moved. Or no, he just doesn't give his phone number. And he calls Matt later and they end hook up for a dinner date at Jeffrey's house. Yeah. Which I will say, plot armor or plot hole, they would not have met in his house. Maybe they would have. Maybe he wouldn't want to go out in public. Okay, maybe I reject that. Anyway, so Matt comes over for the dinner date. And sees the phone plugged into the wall and says, I thought you didn't have a phone set up. And Jeffrey lies and says, well, I have the phone. It's just not hooked up yet. They haven't been able to come. (laughs) And 30 (laughs) seconds later, the phone rings. (laughs) And Jeffrey clearly like realizes what happens and just hope it's going to be hopes it's going to be okay. He doesn't address it. He just tries to keep going on. And Matt's like, ah, no, we're talking about this. And the phone Um, keeps ringing. (laughs) It keeps ringing because, yeah, that's what phones did in the 90s. So... Matt realizes something shady is going on here and excuses himself and says, this just isn't going to work. I don't want to play games, which prompts Jeffrey to reveal the real tea. Mary, are you ready for the real tea? I'm buckled up and buckled in. He says he didn't want to give Matt his phone number because he's in the Navy 
and Navy and Gay don't really go together now, do they? Dun dun dun! <laughs> we are set up for the plot of the year, or at least the social plot of the year. There is, there is, there is no way you're going to be able to spin this soap opera besides what I'm going to say next. But before I get to that, this is this is hardcore political social commentary in the form of a nighttime episodic artistic endeavor. <laughs> okay. Now they throw in the fact that also besides from Don't Ask, Don't Tell, it's also my family. I don't want them to know as well. So it's not just Don't Ask, Don't Tell. There's also the I'm in the closet for my family storyline too. But what we are setting up is Jeffrey, Matt, having a, a budgeting relationship where Matt is going to essentially agree to go back into the closet for this guy. Yeah. Which is, maybe that's a little soapy, but the 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 high art point is because of Don't Ask, Don't Tell, because of the way the country was handling this hot-button political issue, specifically the way the Clinton administration was handling this hot-button political social issue, um, is going to shape the storyline that we're about to see for the next several weeks. And I think that counts as high art for the generations. I really do. Uh, and so do you. <laughs> and so do you. You know you do. Um, I will say that it is a relic of the moment that it was being created. And this was probably not something that was showing up on a lot of... Uh, scripted tv shows mm. well specifically i mean matt specifically after jeffrey says u.s navy and gay they don't go together matt specifically says what about the don't ask don't tell policy which <laughs> is not how people talk in the real world um <laughs> but that's fine and jeffrey responded and said i have to keep my secret to keep my job family and that is what we're in for yeah um, you know, of all the plot lines on this episode, this one is the most high art. I'll give you that. Okay. I Listen, this is why I saved it for the end. <laughs> That's true. It's nice to go out on a high point for you. That's good. <laughs> a high art point, if you will. Oh, I walked right into that. Boom. <laughs> yeah, I kind of forgot about, well, like most Matt's storylines, I forgot about them because they're sort of tucked in the periphery of the show i mean he's gonna go to jail for murder one i know i keep forgetting when that and that must come like in the next season or something because i feel like we're already too far along in this one i think that's right um but yeah i i you know i'm happy for matt any way we can get him some airtime i'm supporting it so good for him i'm glad he met somebody i mean he could just go hang out with Rhonda in the suburbs I would watch that show if they live like next door to each other. <laughs> All right, Mary, that was the best best I have. Do you have a final point to make? I do, and I'm excited because we haven't really touched on this at all. I call this one Billy and Allison get a Celia infestation while her grad <laughs> infestation. I don't think you can say infestation about women. <laughs> what if I call it a lady infestation? <laughs> then we're good. Then we're good. All right. So Billy is at work at Escapade magazine and his coworker Celia slams down her phone and complains that her landlord's fumigating the building. Like, I get that that's inconvenient, but if I lived in LA, I needed my building fumigated. I guess I'd be glad if they were doing it. I'd be more mad if they're not fumigating the building to be H. And she says, Californians are such hypocrites. Animal rights just disappear as soon as a few rats move in. (laughs) A few rats. Oh, yep. All right. 
Listen, um, I'm vegan as the day is long, but I want those rats gone. I just don't want to know how. Just don't tell me how. I don't need to know any of that. Uh, for some reason that is unclear, I have no idea. Billy offers to have her stay with him and Allison. And he can use her room because he'll just stay in Allison's room. And Celia says, well, it's not a totally stupid idea. I'm like, you bitch, what's wrong with you? Apparently, they're working <laughs> an article right now that is very intense and they are working together day and night and so she's like we might as well share the same space and i said no see that's not a good idea no, no. <laughs> <laughs> work-life balance to you work uh she gets up to leave and he asks where she's going and she's like i'm going home to get my stuff unless you want me to share your underwear too and i'm like girl like he's doing you a favor like <laughs> you need to calm down sister like, jesus christ uh we cut to the apartment and celia is moving in and allison is like standing by Billy and she's cooperating, but like clearly she doesn't think this is a great idea. And she's like, you know, I was just finally appreciating, you know, that we're back together and we're having alone time. And he's like, we'll have plenty of alone time in our room. And she's like, oh, it'll be like having kids. We'll have to be very quiet when we make love. Ugh. They start kissing and Celia walks out and she teases them to stop because, you know, she's at an impressionable age. And then she brings in this bag of groceries because she is, quote, strictly organic. Mm-hmm. She goes to put her food in the fridge. And Billy says, it could be worse. She could be twins. Uh, <laughs> and walks past and says, I heard that. because I Oh, have- is that the twins Billy hooked up with when he told Jake? <laughs> oh, yes. Those twins. Wink, wink. Uh, <laughs> so is like, I heard that. I have great hearing. And, quote, our beds are only a hall apart. You're not moaners, are you? Oh, my God. Um, inappropriate, Celia. Inappropriate. Uh, she walks away and Allison looks like kind of shocked. And Billy's like, you know, I'm sure once you get to know her, you're going to like her. And Allison goes, why? You don't. <laughs> Which is <laughs> like... my favorite line of the whole episode. <laughs> Nothing about this subplot makes any sense. Nothing about this makes sense. Why would Billy even offer to have her move in in the first place? Especially without asking Allison first. They just got back together. They've had issues in the past with random people staying with them. Okay, why would Celia accept this invitation? Does she not have any friends in L.A. that she'd rather stay with than Billy, who she works with and doesn't seem to even like? Was there supposed to be something more to this plotline that got cut out? Like, were they going to go somewhere where they were implying that Billy was going to hook up with Celia or something? Didn't the show already try that once with these people and it didn't go anywhere? And lastly, can the show please stop finding excuses to make Allison say the phrase making love? I would really. <laughs> That's enough. We've had a... the... <laughs> I don't know why you're coming for Allison Parker on this. Good day. You know what? Allison was one of the far less irritating people this week, mostly because she was barely in it. But she got that one good line in. <laughs> so good for her. <laughs> Which good line? The one where Billy said that he sure shall learn to love Celia. She says, oh, why? Yeah, why you don't. <laughs> yeah, do you remember when Allison had the good lines? There yeah. was that brief window before Amanda showed up. Yeah, she was funny. She was funny sometimes. Yeah, well, listen, uh, Mary, I think we have to leave this debate unresolved until we see what happens with Don't Ask, Don't Tell next week. Okay. Oh, you think it'll all be fixed next week? I hope so. I hope so. I think so. Should right. be good. That's good. It's good to have something to look forward to. Do you, um, did you have any notes you wanted to point out? Oh, I only have a, I genuinely only have a couple this time. Mm-hmm. I'm not, um, I'll be back I, in a few minutes. <laughs> yeah. Go get your ice cream, son. 
Uh, so I, I loved in the very beginning, the show opens with Jane and Michael and Michael is getting ready to go back to work for the first time. And uh, she offers to give him a ride to the hospital, but he says, no, I need to learn to do things on my own. So I'll take the bus. And Jane says, you haven't taken the bus in your entire life. Which made me laugh. And he says, maybe not the old me, but this is a new start. And I'm like, can you picture Michael riding the bus? Come on. That's not going to happen. Uh, so after Celia has moved in the next morning, she budges in front of Allison to get into the shower because she and Billy stayed up all night and she's got to get a shower. And so Allison goes in the kitchen and she's mad because Celia drank her orange juice. And Allison says, I spent 20 minutes squeezing that last night. Yeah. I'm why like, is she doing that? 20 minutes? Like, what were you doing? Like, it doesn't take that long. Uh, Matt. I don't think they had pre-cartoned orange juice back then, Mary. But we've seen Minute Maid. Yeah, but only in those little little compartments. They didn't have them in the big bottles. I don't know. I think because didn't they cross out the eye on one of them? And it was minute made. <laughs> minute made. <laughs> um, my my favorite little moments happens uh, when Matt is over for dinner at Jeffrey's, and he tells Matt to go look for salad tongs, but he's not totally sure where they are because he just moved in. And Matt says, "Should I trust a guy who doesn't know where his own salad tongs are?" <laughs> there. Was- inappropriate joke just just outside the periphery of acceptable i can't we don't need to talk about it but i understand what you're going for yeah like listen you... <laughs> we don't need to talk about it i think we... you, you know you you, <laughs> you use the salad tongs to toss it but that's not the only way happy endings <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> Oh gosh! Oh, suburban suburban soccer moms listening to this uh, are confused. I think. Google. I think. No, um, don't Google. Don't Google. Not at work, anyway. Not at work. Um, so the beach house. We haven't seen the beach house. Michael comes home to the beach house, and he walks up, and he. I would like to point out, has a cane again. This is right after Jane threw his cane in the pool. So maybe he had an extra one somewhere. I mean, it didn't dissolve in the pool, Mary. Did he go get it out of the pool? But it sank. Uh, somehow it got out of the pool. Okay. Well, anyway, he gets inside of this beach house. And my one of my favorite touches, kudos to the set designers, is that there are plants in the corner. There's like a ficus. And there's a bunch of dead leaves on the floor. <laughs> but then I started zooming out on this. And I'm like, I have logistical questions about this beach house. Because he's been gone for a month. Like earlier in this yeah. afternoon, it's been a month. And so... Only he and Kimberly lived there. There's nobody else. As far as we know, there was no hired help. There was no housekeeper. Mm-hmm. What's in his fridge right now? Like, who's going to clean? What about the garbage? Was the garbage taken out before he left? Also, the plants don't look dead enough for a month. Has someone oh. been watching? Okay. You can't, on one hand, say kudos to the team <laughs> and then say, let me tell you all the details that I would have got right. Well, I listen, I know I'm I'm studying this text more closely than most. I understand that, but... But, but, it, although it's fair to say you shouldn't be studying it better than the writers. That's fair. <laughs> Thank you. And what made me notice that is as he's walking in the front door on the outside, the exterior shot, there is a plant on the porch that would have died if no one had been watering it. So someone must be coming around because it wouldn't survive in the sun. It would have died. What is this plant? I don't know, but I don't know the name, but it would have died. How do you know this? Because plants don't just live for a month in a pot with no water. Like, well, there's outdoor rain. Not in California, next to the beach. They're on the ocean. They there's just, water everywhere. There's that song, It Never Rains in Southern California for a reason. Who, 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 who oh, oh, okay, okay, who wrote that song? 
Um, that guy. Have they ever been to Southern California? Yeah. Do they have a meteorology degree? I don't know if they have a meteorology degree. This is like the musical equivalent of my uncle on Facebook said the vaccine is bad. <laughs> oh, boy. I don't know if I'd go that far. <laughs> I feel like we're potential victims of that crime. <laughs> uh, and lastly, at Escapade, uh, this is a major plot point that they tuck in at the very end. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, we didn't talk about this. this is not a recap podcast. Not a recap. Um, Billy and Celia, after they turned in their article, they stayed up all night and drank all of Allison's orange juice to produce. They get told there's a promotion for one of them. And so they get an assignment to do an editing of some fake article. Uh, and Nancy comes in and she's like, you know, you both did great work, but the promotion goes to Billy. And I wrote as if uh, Billy smiles all cocky and Celia looks disappointed, but she congratulates him. And Nancy says, you know, you're going to start right away. And oh, did I mention the junior editor position is with our sister magazine in New York? Yeah, <laughs> you, did that's, that. That, you lead with that. You lead with that. Yes. And Billy goes, huh, New York. And Nancy's like, oh, is that a problem? And Billy goes, oh, no, not at all. It's it's the Big Apple, Lady Liberty. It's great. And he looks so confused, like he doesn't understand what's going on. It really made me laugh. Well, he's trying to figure out, oh, what did I just do? Like his whole life, he just he just uprooted it. He's he's leaving Allison. Wouldn't you? I mean, this again, I've had a lot of I, I believe her name is Nancy. I keep calling her. Yeah. Her her HR skills are poor for a variety of reasons. But like again, <laughs> If you're going to give someone a promotion, you maybe should tell them the details to make sure they want the promotion before you give it to them. Yeah, because if he had said no, she'd have to go back to the hiring team and be like, uh, I guess he wasn't interested. <laughs> no, I mean, not that I've ever worked anywhere like this where they tell you that something's going to happen. And then when you actually get it, it's very different. Mary, but- if you, Mary it, this is not the place for this. <laughs> I'm saying I have a little empathy for Billy, which I don't normally have. Well, good. <laughs> did you have anything we haven't already touched upon the tossed salad i had that um <laughs> i can't trust a guy who doesn't know where his salad tongs are yeah listen girl i bet matt i get you yeah they gotta know how to, how to work that also <laughs> the strictly organic woman um celia i loved that one because it was vintage 90s right like yeah. right uh, but also it reminded me there was a, a <laughs> A friend of mine, two friends actually. One provided daycare for the other's children, and um, one of my friends would bring their own food to feed their children at lunch. They like drop the kids off with some plums because I know I, I know you've got food here for your kids, but please give my kids this. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and you know how kids just love plums. They, it also reminds me of some other friends. You've met these ones. Um, they they came to visit once when we lived up in the, the town where you are. Um, they brought almonds pre, pre-counted for their children. Six <laughs> almonds for breakfast. Oh, my God. That type, right. of, that type of thing. Six almonds is not a lot of almonds. No, no. And we got lectured because we didn't do things like that. It's just, you know, the strictly organic, the, just the judginess that, that goes in with that stuff. I, I don't understand people with these weird dietary things. No, no, I could never imagine such a thing. Do you know what's also so interesting to me is we've since learned how fake the organic label is. Yeah, right? God. Yeah. Ugh. It was the 90s. Mm. In California. 
also the the rat infestation uh gave me joy because i once um <laughs> in the in, in the house that i had that i did not live in mary okay that we were putting out on airbnb we had mice at some point and i had to call the exterminator and be like i don't want to know like, i don't want to know a thing just <laughs> get them out of here <laughs> i don't want to recap i don't want a body count nope nothing and I, I certainly don't want to hear that trap go off. Oh, that's the worst. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, we learned that, that you know, the dryer vent uh, was wide open. So they were just coming in. Oh, well, it's nice and warm. I don't blame them. Well, they listen, they weren't cold anymore. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Mary, let's come at this next week. All right. Well, we'll try again. Maybe by then, Jeffrey will have found his salad tongs. All right. Peace. Peace out, Lady Sailor. <laughs> You too. <laughs> this week's episode of the Melrose Placecast is generously supported by the following sponsor. With each new season comes new fashion, and this winter is no exception. Countless designers have spent the first three quarters of this year toiling away over their coffee tables with their boxes of Crayola markers, trying to dream up this winter's slickest new look. And today... The Melrose Placecast is thrilled to announce that we found it. What? Tell me. Oh my God. Stop. Tell me. It's Vest. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Vest is here. Vest is now. Vest is everything. <laughs> Vest goes with everything. Yes, everything. No, it does not. Wait, what's that you say? That the rest of your outfit clashes with Vest's royal blue, black, and white color palette? Yeah. I think what you mean to say is that you are about to go change into something that won't clash with it. Because the star of every outfit is Vest. Nothing <laughs> in the closet or on the rack at the store can compete with Vest. Submit to Vest! <laughs> Vest is versatile, washable, and doesn't require air, but it'll appreciate it if you do. Vest is flame retardant, water resistant, and doesn't have buttons. Because buttons just fall off and they would minimize the number of years vest could remain a staple garment in your clothing stable. Vest is <clears throat> vest is available exclusively at Mancini's Designs, as well as JCPenney, Sears, Vanity Fair, <laughs> Kiosks, and TJ Maxx. I don't think you understand what exclusively means then. <laughs> We're going to move on. Or if you're housebound, you can also visit vestvestvest.vest. <laughs> Our vest today. And if one vest isn't enough to satisfy you, you can enter promo code vest 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 to get four dollars. Whoa, whoa. Vest 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 or vest 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 or vest 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 vest. Vest 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 vest. That's vest four times. You will get four dollars off a recurring monthly vest subscription. That's a vest subscription service is what the people have been looking for. If you sign up for this $24.95 per month subscription, each month you're going to get a new vest. I mean, it's the same vest. It looks exactly the same, but it's a new one. We all know you're going to love vests so much that you're going to want to wear it constantly. So having fresh ones show up will keep you and your vests looking your best. Forget the rest. Give your heart to vest. <laughs> I, I did not know that vest subscriptions were coming our way. Oh, wow. This has been in the works since around 1994, but it's only now that the technology exists where we can truly provide this kind of ample vest opportunity to the consumer public. Okay, so do the vests, are they curated? How do we know we're getting good vests? 
Well, it's the same vest. So if you're half wait, wait, what? It is the same vest. It's the same vest. It looks. The same. I thought that's what you said. It can't be so. Yeah, because you're gonna want to wear this vest like every day. And even though it's you know flame retardant and water resistant, you're still not always gonna have time to do laundry every day and clean your vest. So this way you'll have multiple vests to keep you vested all week. Okay. I, I just want to make sure that I'm getting the getting the, getting the pitch correctly. Okay. okay. No buttons because no. that would mean the vest wouldn't last forever. Yeah, because buttons they just fall off. Have yeah. you ever been able to keep a button on something longer than 20 minutes? I sure haven't. Yes, but so that's why there's no buttons on vest. No. Vest, 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 vest. <laughs> but also we need a new one every single month. Yeah, yeah, because well, because you're gonna want to wear it every day, and do you? I don't have time to do laundry every day. Do you? I'm a no. lady sailor of the 2020s. Like I don't have time to do laundry all the time. So, <laughs> Go lady sailor. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, like, so if I have more than one vest, then that's gonna improve my wear. Okay. Now let me let me ask you: Do you make uniform vests? Like if I'm a nurse. Oh, you're saying uh, if I'm a boy nurse, <laughs> gentleman nurse, um, um, you know, we ha- the company hasn't gotten there yet because really this is just this is the launch. Like we're at the okay. best. But I would say, you know, the, the chances are high if there's a demand out there to have a, let's say, a nurse's version of vest or maybe a road construction worker version of vest with some reflective mm. drips. Um I mean, my goodness, like Mater D's, I could see them wearing this vest in their restaurants. Really, anywhere that you can wear a vest, we want to be able to help people have vest. Okay. Now, will you help me through a tricky situation? What if my employer says vest does not meet the dress code? Well, then you need to quit that job. Oh, you? do you have any lawyers that I can call? Yeah, we're setting up a website for a class action suit against all (laughs) employers who defy vest. Okay. And I take it there'll be a promo code for the lawyers too? Yeah. Yeah. We don't have it yet. The website. Right. But we will find something that rhymes with vest. Okay. So let me, just one last question, if I, if I may, if it's not too much. (laughs) No, never, never. So hypothetically, if I, if the, do you know, if, if just the design isn't my style. Okay. I don't like where this is going, but okay. Can what do we do then? The vest is the the royal blue, the Polaroids. It's just a little, um, frankly, it's a little nineties. The little Clarissa explains it all. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I, I I know you're very hip and young, but the nineties are back. Like the nineties are back, and so everyone who's anyone is going to be wearing vest. And if they aren't wearing vest, they're going to be going to that website and ordering at least four of them. And a new one every month. A new one every month. It's again, it's the same vest. But you're gonna want to have so many of them to wear that you don't have to do laundry every day. <laughs> so wait, seriously, how how long does this show go on? How many episodes are there? <laughs> Man, I told you this, right? So it goes to season seven of the original run, but then there's the re- the reboot season. So there's how many reboot seasons? Just the one so far. So far. But there's also, but then Mary, there's the, the Amazon has the true story of Melrose Place movie that we should cover. 
Oh God, how long? Yeah, and and Models Inc. has to be covered too. Wait, what the hell is Models Inc.? It, it's a two-season spinoff. Of what? What do they? Of, of Melrose Place from the lady from Dynasty was on it, I think. The lady from Dynasty, my God, this was like a whole industry. And I do think nine hundred two one zero to get to understand where this show came from is probably worth exploring. I I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> and then when Allison left, she went to Ally McBeal. Does it have anything to do with the contents of Melrose Place? I just feel like, how do you really want to be an expert in this or not? I mean, I think you know the answer to that. <laughs> okay, so we're in for all of it. Oh, God. <laughs>